Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. We're going to have the Bible read now, and then Nicole's going to come up and preach for us. Jonah chapter 2. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swelled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfed waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. My name is James and our second reading for this evening is Matthew chapter 12 verses 38 to 41. Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Well, hello everyone. It's so good to be with you tonight. My name's Nicole, and it's awesome to be here as we continue our series in Jonah. Let's pray as we get started. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way it speaks to us and helps us to understand more of you and ourselves. Please help us tonight by your spirit to hear what you want us to hear and to put aside all the other things trying to pull our attention from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you all been watching a lot more movies in lockdown? I feel like I have been. And it's led to a realisation. I've recently worked out that almost all my favourite movies have a very specific genre, classic literature reimagined as high school rom-coms. Think about it. Ten Things I Hate About You is based on Taming of the Shrew. Easy A is The Scarlet Letter. She's the Man is Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. I've recently heard a very convincing argument that High School Musical is a reimagining of Pride and Prejudice. And, of course, another Austin classic, Emma, becomes the 90s classic, Clueless. And the more I read Jonah, the more I thought about this one scene from Clueless. 
It's where the main character, Cher, is comforting her friend who's worried that someone else is prettier than she is. And Cher says, no, she's a full-on Monet. It's like the painting, see? From far away, it's okay. But up close, it's a big old mess. I think Jonah is a full-on Monet. It's really easy to read this passage, see all the steps that Jonah takes in the right direction, say, hey, good work, Jonah, that looks great, and just move on to the action. But like a full-on Monet, when we look a little closer, we start to see more of the big old mess that Jonah is. What we're going to see tonight is that Jonah really thinks he's giving his all, but he's only almost. He's not all in. He's almost in. Keep Jonah open in front of you and let's get going. Last week, we saw God ask Jonah to go and preach to the Ninevites, who were Jonah's enemies. And Jonah ran in the opposite direction. He tried to escape by boat, but God sent a huge storm. And eventually, Jonah realized the only way to calm the storm was for him to be thrown overboard into the sea. So where we arrive in this passage today is that God has sent a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and that's where he is for three days and three nights. Where we go in this passage is not far. Let's reread the action that happens. Verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Then Jonah prays. And then verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So there's not heaps of movement here. Where we spend the bulk of this passage is with Jonah as he prays in the belly of the fish. And he thinks he's giving his all. But he's only almost. Firstly, Jonah thinks he's giving his all by praying. Deep in the sea, in the dark and presumably disgusting belly of a fish, Jonah recognises that the Lord is the only one who can save him. Jonah acknowledges God and calls on him. Look with me at verse 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Jonah knows that in a tricky situation, God is the right person to turn to. Jonah acknowledges God, his power for salvation, and expresses his gratitude. God is the only option, the only one with the power to save Jonah. And so Jonah prays. And Jonah thinks he's giving his all by praying. But Jonah's slowness to pray reveals he's only almost relying on God. Jonah prays, but slowly. He prays, but it kind of took him hitting rock bottom, sinking to the deepest depths three days in the belly of a fish to get there. Compare this with the sailors in chapter 1. When the storm hits, all the other sailors pray first and ask questions later. Chapter 1 verse 5 says, All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. Now, they get points off because they're not praying to the Lord. But at the first sign of trouble, they are on their knees pleading with their gods. In the same verse, where's Jonah? Well, he's asleep. It takes a terrifying storm and a trip to the depths of the ocean to get Jonah to the point where he can pray this prayer. 
Yes, he prays, and that is good, but he is slow to pray. Jonah thinks he's giving his all, but he's only almost. Next, Jonah thinks he's giving his all by knowing the right words to say. If you think Jonah's prayer looks familiar, you'd be right. It reads like a psalm. And in fact, there are whole phrases and sentences that are identical to the book of Psalms we have now that Jonah would have been familiar with too. Verse 2, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. We can see the same phrase in Psalm 18 and Psalm 120. Verse 3, all your waves and breakers swept over me. Psalm 42. Verse 4, I said I have been banished from your sight. Psalm 31. Verse 6, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Psalm 30. These are the most direct ones, but there are plenty more you can look up if you're interested. The point is clear. Jonah knows his Psalms. He knows God's word. He spent time closely studying and memorizing it. And when rock bottom hits, God's word gives Jonah the words to say. And Jonah thinks he's giving his all by knowing the right words to say. But Jonah's holding back what he really wants to say. And so showing he's only almost letting God in. He's strung together the phrases of other faithful people. It's almost like he's praying what he thinks God wants to hear. He knows the right words to say, but he's hiding behind them. Because as we'll see in a couple of chapters, he's still holding back from God what he really thinks of this plan to go and preach to the Ninevites. Jonah's also holding something else back, an apology. Did you notice that? It took me a couple of reads, but did you pick up that through this beautifully crafted, well-articulated prayer, Jonah never says that he's sorry. He never takes responsibility for his actions that have led him here. He's only almost repentant. Jonah prays God's word and that is good, but he's holding back his own. Jonah thinks he's giving his all, but he's only almost. Jonah thinks he's giving his all by rejoicing in God's rescue and salvation. Though he tried to run away from God in chapter 1, it's here, in the depths of the ocean, that Jonah's finally remember that there is no one who can save him but God. Starting in verse 6, Jonah says, You, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. God is the one who has saved Jonah from certain death in the chaos of the sea. And it's right for Jonah to acknowledge that rescue. He rejoices in God's power for his salvation. And he thinks that means he's giving his all. But Jonah shows he's only almost rejoicing in the fullness of God's salvation because he thinks it should have limits. While Jonah praises God for the rescue and salvation he is receiving, he fails to think that others should be extended this same salvation. We saw it in chapter 1 when Jonah ran in the opposite direction to Nineveh to try and avoid telling his enemies of God's salvation. We see it again in verse 8. Jonah prays, 
Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from you, from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. Jonah's really creating a me versus them mentality here. He's saying, I'm not like those other people who worship idols. I don't turn away from you. What Jonah's failed to realize is that though idols are worthless, those who worship them are not worthless in God's sight. Though idols are worthless, those who worship them are not. God's rescue, grace, and redemption isn't deserved by anyone, but it's extended to everyone. Jonah is so focused on others being undeserving of God's mercy that he fails to remember that he is undeserving too. Jonah acknowledges God's power for salvation, and that's good, but he thinks it's not for everyone. Jonah thinks he's giving his all, but he's only almost. Now, of course, it's really easy for me to look at Jonah with judgmental eyes, to look at all the ways he's only almost there and judge him harshly. But the truth is, you and I, we live in the almost too. Have you ever found yourself hitting rock bottom before you remembered to pray? Have you ever said the right things and held back what's really on your heart? Have you ever not apologised when you've been in the wrong? Have you ever thought you were just a little more deserving of grace than someone else? Too often, we think we're giving our all, but we're only almost. It can be disheartening to think that we're only almost there, just like Jonah. But in God's great mercy, he has sent us someone better than Jonah. God has sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And as Jesus rose from the dead, he called us to come closer to God in a way we could never have done on our own. Because where Jonah gives his almost, Jesus gives his all. In Matthew 12, before Jesus' death, he talks about the sign of Jonah, saying, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Three days of death to enact God's plan to reconcile his enemies to himself. In Jonah's case, Nineveh. In Jesus' case, us. But while Jonah was a prisoner of his own rebellion, Jesus was a prisoner of ours. And while our rebellion once counted us God's enemies, Jesus' triumph over death now counts us as God's beloved children. Where Jonah almost gets it right, Jesus does get it right. Where Jonah gives his almost, Jesus gives his all. Jonah thought he was giving his all by praying, but his slowness to pray reveals he's only almost relying on God. Jesus, on the other hand, gets up early. He stays up late. He withdraws from crowds. He goes up mountains all to pray 
all in the pursuit of a deeply personal relationship with God. Throughout Jesus' ministry, in all situations, he makes it clear that prayer, that reliance on God, is his first priority. Jesus gives his all by being quick to pray. Where Jonah gives his almost, Jesus gives his all. Jonah thought he was giving his all by knowing the right words to say, but it shows he's only almost letting God in. But Jesus engages with God from a place of deep honesty and vulnerability, even when it hurts, especially when it hurts. We see this at Gethsemane, when Jesus knows he is about to be betrayed and suffer a horrific death. We see him plead with God, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus doesn't hold back how he's really feeling. He trusts God enough to enter into the hard discussion. He doesn't just accept God's plan. He fights for alignment to it by pleading with God to find another way. And when it's clear there is no other way, he still trusts. Not as I will, but as you will. Where Jonah hides behind the right words, Jesus speaks from the heart. Where Jonah gives his almost, Jesus gives his all. Jonah thought he was giving his all by rejoicing in God's rescue and salvation, but he's only almost understood it. Where Jonah tries to limit God's grace, Jesus ensures God's grace is limitless. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus became the way that God extends his salvation to all. Jesus died as a sacrifice for you, for me, for all people, all time. When he rose from the dead three days later, he broke the hold that sin and death have on us. Though we turn away from God, and like Jonah, even run away, Jesus' death and resurrection ensure that we can always turn back. Where Jonah gives his almost, Jesus gives his all. Even as we've seen Jonah give his almost through this passage, it's not the end. Jonah doesn't end this passage wasting away in the belly of a fish. Jonah gives his almost, and still God gives him another chance. Jonah gives his almost, and God brings him back to dry land to try again. It's the same for you and me. God doesn't count our almost against us. He counts Jesus all for us. And when you recognize you're only giving your almost, it's not God's condemnation that you feel. It's his invitation for you to turn to Jesus, who has given his all for you. When you turn to him, Jesus all counts you free from the burdens of guilt, perfectionism, finding your worth in the successes and failures of this world. Like Jonah Even when you can only give your almost, Jesus gives his all to get you back on dry land again. Where Jonah gave his almost, Jesus gave his all. And when you give your almost, Jesus still 
gives his all and he gives it for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to give his all for us. Thank you that in this we can approach you with confidence. We're sorry for the times we turn away and run away from you when we can only muster our almost. Lord, when we fall short, help us to turn to Jesus quickly. Help us to express those things we're holding back. Help us to share the blessing of salvation with others, all for your glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.